0: Hey Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's that conversational Keyforge podcast made by and made for Keyforge friends. I am Scuzzy Gruen, I am also called Alex, and I am joined by two of my very main Keyforge friends. We've got S.C. Steele.
1: Hello, hello.
0: And Boulevard Blake. What's going on, coach?
2: Yo, what's going on?
0: not too much here for another one of our house analysis episodes if you have been listening to the last couple months of the podcast you'll know that we started off this series just by talking a little bit about the houses that were going to be leaving the game when the much storied winds of exchange expansion finally does make it to store shelves whatever time in the future that might be but one of the things that we kind of expanded from that was looking at the different houses and their evolution over a couple of different sets and talking about what they might be like in Winds of Exchange. and I'm very excited for today's episode because as longtime listeners of this podcast know, my favorite house, maligned as they may have been, has (laughs) always been Brobnar. I love me the Brobs. Um, I'm really excited for them to come back And I'm really excited for them to have been, quote unquote, fixed after what I think we can all agree was a pretty poor showing in Worlds Collide. No, no, no arguments on that one?
2: No, it was a poor showing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uncontroversial statement. No hot takes. Yep. But we're going to be talking about basically the three sets in which Brobnar did appear and kind of what their identity is, and then talking a little bit about ways that we hope to see them when they make their comeback in Winds of Exchange, whenever that may be. Are you guys ready to get into this convo?
1: You better believe it.
0: All right. So, Sydney, let's start off by talking a little bit about Brobnar and Coda, certainly to my mind the time when they were at their biggest in terms of strengths. But uh I'll be
1: interested to hear your thoughts on that. I completely agree. Coda Brobnar set the bar really, really high with both power but also flavor. Like its direction of the the theme of the set and the strategy of the whole um house was was really well laid out in Coda. It actually executed their own strategy very, very well. And it did it in ways that other houses didn't do. So like fighting and damage and stunning was some of its its larger mechanics but it got a lot of amber for doing all of those things which is mm-hmm. why it yep. worked so well so Agreed. when like if any if if anyone had loot the bodies and then they played it you knew what kind of turn they were about to have because they were going to get their amber that way and i think another thing that did really well for Brobnar in coda is that there weren't that many other big bodies on the boards to to um to challenge Brobnar. and so Mm -hmm. other than sanctum's armor, there really were a lot of little creatures that allowed the Brobnar creatures to stay on the board longer, especially with the elusives in Shadows and Untamed. So I think Coda was just a set in which it was allowed to shine.
2: Oh, I totally agree with you. I mean, when I was thinking about this, I realized that for some reason, I feel like Coda Brobnar really flew under the radar because it wasn't flashy. It did (laughs) its job very well. There weren't like insane combos that everyone talked about although it does have it it just felt very like when it was in your deck you could have a really nice combination of cards that would do their jobs very well it would do board control could do ember control and it really utilized the fight mechanic in a way that none of the other houses really did at a level where you were incentivized to fight at the level that it had and i love that about Coda brobnar
0: I think maybe one of the reasons it did fly under the radar is the fact that You know, we talk about the fact that Coda era was a different game, um, than it was, and it was still really possible, in fact, some of the most successful decks, to just like function by not really interacting with your opponent. You were just rushing. Rushing to get to Mm -hmm. those three keys, or, you know, doing deck manipulation to get to those three keys, or doing other stuff. And so, Brobnar very much being incentivized to be like the board based house, you know, who really needed to interact on the board could sort of get overlooked because, oh, so many people were choosing to play these sort of like non board interactive type houses. But they were in the very first deck that I ever opened up. And I actually ended up playing that deck today in preparation for today's episode. And I'd forgotten how many fun little things there was to do with Brobnar in order to gain advantage via fighting. And, uh, you know, I'm talking about things like um, super simple stuff, like uh, artifacts like the war chest, gain an Ember for each enemy creature that was destroyed in a fight this turn. Awesome. You know, Smith. Gain two amber if you control more creatures than your opponent, plus a pip of amber on it. Use your Brobnar to fight and then take out some enemy creatures. Then play smith to make sure you get the uh, the advantage of that. There's lots of fun little things there was to do to gain amber. And also like a reasonable amount of amber control within the house. But Like, mm-hmm. uh, loot the bodies and... Burn uh, uh, the
1: Stockpile, Iron Obelisk, Pile of Souls. So there was so, so much good. amber control. I think one of the things that Brobnar did really, really well was, as themed as it was and as niche as the board control was, it also had a little bit of everything. Like, we say that about a lot of houses, but... Its, its theme just worked so well into the different cards that supported it. If you really needed that Amber control and you you had Pile of Skulls or Iron Obelisk on the board, there was just so many ways that you could use your creatures to control that Amber. You were, you were okay in that regard. So I think that a lot of what Brobnar had going for it is it did also have a little bit of everything. Yep
0: totally i also wanted to mention the fact that there's a lot of really cool ways to fight multiple times with the same creatures um, yes. obviously we're familiar with ganger chieftain one of my favorite combos in that very first deck i mentioned is ganger chieftain plus uh wardrummer where you could multiple times use a war drummer to play ganger chieftain next to another creature and get multiple fights off, then gain some uh, uh, stuff out of it, out of things like loot the bodies or out of, uh, you know, war chest. I think that was really awesome. Gauntlet of Command provided that ability. The awesome thing about that too is Gauntlet of Command naturally also provides you with the opportunity to, if there's no enemy creatures on the board, simply ready a creature and then reap with them, which is super neat. Um I love that about that. It was just a, a strong house, not as strong obviously as, you know, Logos or I think Untamed or Shadows because they had such like ways that you could get deck layouts or, or card loadouts that were incredibly powerful, incredibly fast, um, and and really threw monkey wrenches into your opponent's plans. Robnar really did depend on your opponent kind of having some board presence to really get the most out of them, I think. And in many Absolutely. ways, it's kind of what knocks them back a couple spots. But it was still one of yep. my favorite houses at that time. And like, I, I wanted to also mention the fact, something that you brought up, Sydney, Flavor Win. Flavor Win across the board. Yep. Like. The mm-hmm. idea of big giant barbarians who have technology, <laughs> love it. It was one of the first keyforge houses you could look at and say, like, there is no other game that has anything like this in it. It's unique to this.
2: Agreed. Yeah,
1: I actually had a lot of friends who transferred over from Magic the Gathering who felt the most comfortable in Coda Brobnar because it is this the most similar in in Magic's taste of like fighting to win. And so like having creatures on the board attacking your opponent felt so natural to them so that I knew that they they gravitated towards Brabnar for that reason.
2: And plus the direct damage spells, so to speak, which they were used to as well, also yep. being in red, like it had all that flavor, like it it poured it over the most, uh, like you said, make them feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, and you know, honestly, I don't feel like there was a lot of bum cards uh, in this era. Um, no, you know, I think there's some that are a little bit less cool than others, perhaps. But when I look
2: more through situational, the card list, but not a lot. Yeah,
0: your mama mastery, like, all right, whatever. Uh, you Love know, that card. It's it's funny, but I mean it's not <laughs> the greatest. Um,
1: I also Take really like. Smarty
2: Pants is probably the worst one.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I never got that one off. I don't
2: yeah. think anyone has.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I did also want to mention the fact that uh, they have one of my absolute favorite board clears in the entire game. Like, I still think this card's incredible. Champions Challenge. Um, champs challenge if you're not familiar with it is destroy each enemy creature except the most powerful enemy creature destroy each friendly creature except the most powerful friendly creature ready and fight with your remaining creature like if you engineer this correctly you can take out an entire board of opposing creatures with very little loss on your own side depending on how you choose to use creatures on your own side or how many creatures you have on the board and potentially you know just it, it's awesome i love it so much champions challenge is r- wicked. So why don't we move on and talk a little bit about the way that the house evolved in AOA, which is interesting, but I think a little fiddlier in some ways, Blake. Does that kind of match up with your thoughts on it?
2: Yes, I will say so, because the the comments that you got when it came to the AOA Brobnar made things just a, a little bit more like you said fiddly but it definitely became a little flashier because it got the the ganger not combo which we i feel mm-hmm. like we should lead off with where you could essentially if your opponent had a clear board you could rule a six of those creatures most likely the drum or not to just get to reap out and do some wild things but uh with that you also got some some other things that were again a little bit more flashly like obviously drummer or not alone just really came into its own as just like one of the hot cards in the set because of how you could use it with different uh creatures that had play abilities like i just opened a deck last week that happened to have three bramos and a drummer Knot and a ganger chieftain so if you didn't have the ganger nice. chieftain i was more than willing to just keep playing bramos and start taking out the flank creatures mm-hmm. but for me i absolutely loved the fact that palace skulls still existed because i think that's one of the the best Ember control cards for Brobnar because it promotes the fight aspect, which you really like inside Brobnar. It's what you want to see happen, and that just gave you the ability to use the fighting and destruction of your opponent's creatures, uh, even outside of Brobnar, to have that really fun effect. And so I just really liked it for for that reason. And then we got the Grumpus Factor and that came in many different forms. There was the mm-hmm. Grumpus Tamer, there was the War Grumpuses, and then Grump Buggy, which rewarded you or your opponent for having a five plus power creatures on the board, being able to increase key costs. Unfortunately, I feel like this fun key cost increase artifact really fell by the wayside when dinos were introduced into the mix.
0: Sure did. Yep, yeah, <laughs> um, it was
2: really unfortunate.
0: I think this is also where we really start to see a lot of trash tier cards come into Brobnar. Yep. Um, yeah. There's a lot of cards in here where I look at them and I go, I don't get this at all. Like, what what, what, what were you guys thinking in terms of design on this? And those are- Little Rapskull.
2: Like, f- little Rapskull. That's the top of my list. I don't care yep. for that card at all. Nope.
0: Um, I've, I've brought this up numerous times, and as much as I love this card for its artwork, Kulf the Clyde is a card that makes no sense what is the value of a six power creature with elusive and nothing else? Like, yeah. why yeah. would somebody need to fight into that? I yeah. also there's, think there's, there isn't, you know, unless you can fish it. But like even stuff like Forgemaster, Og rarely goes off. Gargantus Scrapper being an alpha card for some insane reason. You know, you're just looking at card after card and going like, ugh. a lot of these just don't do it.
1: They had a lot of similar mechanics and, and even more of the same mechanics, so more damage, more stun, but everything was more contingent. So things yeah. either had to be a certain way or there had to be other things on the board or like the the tireless crocag, the seven power, he couldn't reap. And so like it was just there. there was no reason to have certain things on the board when they would just hurt you as much as your opponent. And I felt like that's where the downfall came.
2: Not to mention there was like the reprint of Take That Smarty Pants like where they just like maybe yeah. it didn't really have the right like situation last last set maybe it'll work better this time like I don't get why that card existed.
0: Yeah. This is also a point and I don't I know I've brought this up before um where we get to see uh Groggins Um, And, you know, Groggins is just one symptom of this, and we'll see Narp in the next set that is the same symptom of this, but he's an eight power creature with a big drawback. Uh, When Groggins is used to fight, it can only attack flank creatures. And this is the one that I do not get at all, which is that at some point the designers got it into their head that any creature that big had to have a drawback but only in Brobnar did they seem to apply this philosophy because there's giant creatures all over the place in, in, in other houses that just like have a come in stun or something like that. But right. for some reason- got a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for some reason, you know, it's like they thought, like, oh, eight power creature, we better make sure there's a drawback to playing it. When big power creatures have never been that much of a difference maker in Keyforge. Like, obviously, they have some utility for fighting and stuff like that. But very rare is it the deck that lives and dies by having big, beefy bodies unless it's a super fight based deck that can take advantage of that. So the idea that a card in isolation needs a drawback to account for its eight power is ridiculous to me. Honestly its face and yet they kept doing this and you know that's a thing that really bugs me
2: i thought lollop though was made a little bit more sense just because of the art flavor and all of that and it's considered a location giant and the fact says it deals no damage when attacked so when you are swinging with it you're hitting for 11 but people could just go into it with no damage. i thought that one made a little bit more sense than than the whole like it can only attack flank creatures
0: Yeah, Lollop the Titanic's kind of an exception to this rule in that I think that from a flavor perspective and also from just like a not hindering your gameplay perspective, it was fine. It's Mm -hmm. not the same thing as like actually making it like, oh, you can't use it to do the one thing it should be good at as with, you know, uh, yeah.
2: That being said, though, these big power creatures here really were lending credence to the flex, which was a really fun Brobnar burst card. Unfortunately, I would say it goes off maybe one out of every five times in terms mm. of you happen to get it and you're not chaining yourself to make it work.
1: They also support Might makes Right, which was a, a really great oh, key cheat yes. to add to the, Love to the it. mix.
2: That is It's a great one card. of my favorite cards, I think, in, in AOA was that Brobnar got a key cheat that totally made sense with the flavor. Yes. And there was a lot of ways to really make it actually go off. And it was a free key too. That was the great thing about it.
1: I think another thing that hurt Brobnar in AOA is that the, the, it's kind of subtle, but there was a lack of Amber Pips on good cards. So the cards that you mm. wanted to see in your deck didn't have Amber Pips. So it wasn't giving you that either.
2: Yeah and then of course like blood money became well is as an uncommon like that's something that would have helped with that ember but because it's uncommon you rarely saw it to the point where i forgot blood money is in aoa i've seen it so infrequently (laughs) like i was like oh yeah that's in aoa like you see it just so so little and then we must talk about cards that made no sense was the first blood as an alpha card too Mm, like like actually why is that alpha it says for each friendly you know you may divide it but like why it makes no sense because you're rarely going to have like so many brobnar cards on the board that it makes no difference because if let's say you get it on the turn when you already had brobnar out you maybe have three creatures and you're maybe going to play two more and if you don't then at what most you have three like what is the big deal
0: yeah, that's a, it's a slightly uh, 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 less offensive bumblebird, um, yeah. in that it relies on you to already have something in place to get value out of it. Where you're mm-hmm. going, like, what, what would it have killed you to not make this an alpha? Like, uh, explain to me how first blood is going to unbalance the game if it's not alpha.
2: Like, and if it right, is, make it so one instead alpha of two cards, damage. You can
0: look at them and you can say, "Okay, I 100% understand why this is alpha." Because if you forces you to, if you were able to play it out of sequence from not at the beginning of a turn, you could really do some 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 crazy stuff. But there are so many alpha cards where you're like, you were just testing out this this mechanic, and it doesn't make sense here
2: and it's weird because also Mars has cards that literally do this exact same thing not alpha and it existed before this card existed so it makes it even more weird like orbital bombardment
0: mm-hmm. like it's
2: it's it's essentially the same thing except without cards on the board being counted like anything you could play out of hand yeah i, also, I never got that one
0: i want to ask the question why was bingle bang bang not reprinted in worlds collide Bingle Bang Bang is such an amazingly good, fun flavor card for Brobnar. Uh, before fight deal five damage to the neighbor of the creature bingle bang bang fights bingle bang bang may never fight another creature but it was so much fun to fight it into like shadow cells and things like that or anything else Mm -hmm. that had elusive and like even if you were sacrificing the bingle bang bang the ability to spread that damage around was so good and it's not like it was unbalancing the game it should have been reprinted like it was a great card great art and i really feel like they they missed the boat on it by not bringing it back in worlds collide
2: my only think- thought on that one is potentially they were thinking about the warding factor and it would just be able to hose things with ward and get around it and maybe they're worried about that for some reason when in actual fact that would have been better because Great. there needed to be more <laughs> things to deal with the ward so i i agree with you totally alex this was a huge missed opportunity Bengal bang bang for not being reprinted and it was like the cornerstone of aoa and i mean not reprinting drum or not i thought was also a mistake Uh, it it, but it just proves anytime they have something that becomes this like rule of six card i notice that they've always backtracked on that card and you don't see it again which is really unfortunate because i think drum or not would have been uh very very well suited in the era of Worlds Collide, just to add something that adds a little bit more power and oomph, even though there's not even that really crazy cards. In fact, that's the whole point. Why wouldn't you reprint it? There's nothing that crazy in Brobnar Worlds Collide where that could be abused, unless Ganger Chieftain was more important. And that's the whole reason they didn't want to have that combo exist again, which is my feeling that they didn't know about the combo if they're going to suddenly eliminate it.
1: I think mm-hmm. before fight would have been a fantastic mechanic to bring more of Well, to have more of an AOA and to bring more of into Worlds Collide because Before Fight really was a great ward killer.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I think Kalfine is one of the the great cards of Brobnar AOA that, you know, is not going to win any awards, but it does its job well and you're and you're not disappointed with what it can do it provides a lot of utility in situations where sometimes your opponent prioritizes getting rid of it because of the havoc it can create against their board and i like that about Kalfine, and i, I think it's it's like i said it's not going to win any awards you're not going to go crazy over it but you're not disappointed because it does have situational value almost every time
0: moving on to worlds collide. Um, Just just a, a a real disappointment for me as a Brobnar fan when this set came out, and one that took a while to sink in, as I think it did for many of us, because my very first deck from Worlds Collide, the one that you brought to me from Vegas, Blake, was actually a really good Brobnar house where it would use uh, uh, two piles of skulls and then a lot of board control in the forms of volcanoes to really keep my opponent off-key, where you know I would just be amassing massive amounts of, of, of amber on my creatures on my side, and then using uh, all kinds of different ways to like then get them across the board from uh, some of the cards in Saurian. So it was a really good and fun deck to play that first time out, but eventually over time you started to discover the real weakness in this set. Um, worlds collide has a lot of poor decisions um in brobnar the ones that i want to talk about right off the bat is has some real garbage tier reprints um forge master og and gargantus scrapper coming back i just i cannot fathom why anybody would look at those and go like yep definitely those should come back <laughs> um you know a uh, little rapskull being back again just just super irritating and obnoxious lava ball uh, stuff like that where I'm just like yeah this isn't really doing it for me this isn't really doing and then so many of the new cards that it introduced seemed like they had terrible conditions around them that you know kept them from actually being useful. So, you know, you end up with things like Ragnarok, which is, uh, you know, an alpha card for starters. So for the major turn, creatures cannot reap and you gain one amber whenever a friendly creature fights. At the end of this turn, destroy each creature. Well, it's in Brobnar, which means once again, you have to depend on having had a, it's the Bumblebird problem all over again. If you don't have any Brobnar creatures on the board, this does nothing. Or to use another example, Power of Fire, which is such an enormous cost for you to get that level of amber control out of it and also it hurts you at the same time plus yeah, that would you get make chains you no on sense. top of it like mm-hmm. ugh.
2: like you should plus- not have chains for that it should literally be you're sacrificing a creature and you're losing amber like it makes no sense there's no other card like that that exists in Keyforge that punishes you so hard
1: the the brews also were really, really disappointing to me. I feel like they went all in on attempting to give give Brobnar a really cool new mechanic that that didn't do that justice. Like wait that was us starting to see the like the the card that takes up a slot in your deck that really doesn't do anything is attached to another card that it doesn't really improve much of.
2: If Grump Buggies existed still, that would kind of make sense Because then you could suddenly make your creatures increase key costs But then again, Grump Buggy didn't exist in this But the rest of the Grump stuff did, so that's interesting
0: It also has, uh, out of a set that had some very cool house leaders Had the crappiest house leader in Calloc Stonefather (laughs) I don't want to belabor this point But literally his power was a less good version of something that existed At Uncommon and Untamed in the preceding set
2: and that literally,
0: set.
2: And, yeah, oh it yeah, was, that's
0: right. They came back in this set as well. So, like, if it didn't assault, this, that
2: would have made way more sense.
0: Gain an amber, steal an amber, anything, anything other than <laughs> anything oh, you're going to get skirmish, terrific, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that was really worth me maintaining like this very carefully articulated board with Calic in the middle, like just a, a absolutely useless. And also like the lost potential of looking at things like Igon. Where I'm like, I loved the idea of Igon the first time I saw him. You know, he he's in one form, and then you know you can't play the the sort of you know Pokemon evolution of him <laughs> until like the original version is in your graveyard. But then when you actually like get that to happen, he doesn't have a cool power. He just has like Fight Steel One, which is like you know a something a shadows creature with no conditions on it had in Coda. Like, mm-hmm. come on now, like what to what end? Yeah. Could could you have made it steal two? Could you have made it steal one and gain one? Like anything to make it more good. Um, So even in having things like Ganger Chieftain still being around and like the mega versions of the creatures and stuff like that, it just felt like almost every Brobnar that you pulled was just full of garbage or just underwhelming because even the good cards aren't that great And you always end up with a bunch of stuff where you're like, oh, terrific, barn raising. Well, Well, I better hope that I have, you know, (laughs) uh, a a great our house already on the board before this happens, or else I get nothing out of this card. Not even a pip of amber in the case of barn raising. Just ridiculous.
2: I will say this, though. The thing that really... Like, if you click on Arcana, 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 and look at the comments for this, like, worlds collide brobnar versus star alliance and dinosaurs like that is the tale of the tape there is literally 16 cards here and I can read them very quickly and you'll know there's nothing that you're excited about except for maybe two cards. There's Alaka, Alaka's Brew, Volcano, Barn Raising, Berserker Slam, Kalfine, Ganger Chieftain, Groke, Grown Nine Toes, Irestaff, Mog Hunter, Narp, Shorty, still can Tremor, Warrior's Refrain. Like there is nothing on there that makes you go, wow, I'm glad that common is existing except for maybe Ganger, Groke and Berserker Slam. Those are like the three cards that I care about from that list and the rest I could care less about.
1: And I can't believe it's taken us this long for NARP to come out, because that is something that was so hilariously bad. It is basically a Keyforge meme to hate NARP.
2: Yeah, it's so weird.
0: That same problem I was mentioning earlier. They looked at it and said, oh, an eight-power creature. Gosh, we better make sure it has a big drawback. Meanwhile, you've got, like, these dinosaurs on the other side that are just, like, you know destroying boards amassing amber you know uh, uh, absolutely ridiculous just poor decisions all ways around which lends credence to the rumor i heard way back in the day that they had originally designed a lot of the powers that ended up in saurian for brobnar felt the game was unbalanced and so moved them over to saurian and left you know brobnar with the scraps But I mean, I remember playing Sealed Worlds Collide so much and you would pull a deck that had Brobnar and you would just look at it and go, oh my God, there's nothing here for me.
2: That was literally the birth of doing um, like Sealed Adaptive was during Worlds Collide because if someone pulled a Brobnar deck, you knew you were at a disadvantage. So this gave the ability to potentially trade it with your, your opponent and have something fun happen that way. That's literally how we got to the Sealed Adaptive format locally was because people were tired of pulling Brobnar.
0: So you know you made a mistake when the player base as a whole just hates hates an entire house. And of course, you know, Worlds Collide also had that problem where it seemed like they were just showing up everywhere. Tons and tons of people were pulling out, going like, oh my god, 10 of the 12 decks in this box had Brobnar. And so that really compounded things as well. You know, I just don't think there's that much redeeming about it. Yes, obviously you'll find some decks that have decent loadouts for Brobnar, You know, I own a couple myself, but they're few, they're far between, and they're not even, like, the best of them can't stand up to those super elite tier, you know, Star Alliance and uh, Saurian ones that seemed like they were actually not all that uncommon to find.
1: Yeah, I think that, speaking of unbalanced, like, Saurian and Star Alliance coming onto the scene, like, they're, they just don't compare. Like there is no way you can look at Brobnar, even even us looking at it right now, talking about all the things that it lacked, like if you put it side by side with any of the other houses in Worlds Collide, let alone Sorian or Star Alliance, they just don't compare.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they got uh they got that uh, golden spiral and that transporter platform, but I'm over here with my rag warg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terrific. Really, really happy uh, about this I one. Like I, I, I do want to highlight the fact that I am like super happy that there's an Ogopogo in this set. Sydney, you may not know this, but Ogopogo is our British Columbia's very own cryptid, um, which uh, lives in uh, Kelowna uh, in the in the lake uh, in British Columbia. It is cool. a, a big, crazy sea serpent. Um, there's like lots Nessie. of fun, yeah, like Nessie essentially. And so, them naming a cr- creature after Ogopogo made me really happy even though That's he's a crappy awesome. creature who sucks.
2: <laughs> There's one card that I, I actually really like, and unfortunately doesn't go off a lot, but I feel like it has good utility, is Ragnarok. I actually really like this card, and you rarely see it. But it's an alpha. It says, play for the remainder of the turn, creatures cannot reap, and you gain one ember whenever a friendly creature fights, and then in turn destroy each creature. I just like the flavor that it provides within Brobnar. Uh, obviously being giants and just being able to like do a board wipe in that way. And with the potential that exists with the powerful things on the other side of the board, sometimes you need something like this.
0: I also wanted to point out the big one, which has artwork that I really like. But also one of the things that I dig about the big one is the fact that it, it is one of those little like unbalance the game cards. But unlike something like Quixel or Heart of the Forest, it, it has a shelf life, right? Like, the big one goes away after a while. But it is one of those ones where, like, if you drop it onto the board, there's a possibility your opponent just doesn't know how to play to it, and that can give you a huge advantage, and I like cards like that. Like Quixel, like, uh, uh, well, I don't love Heart of the Forest because it slows games down to a crawl, but, like, I like it in theory, I suppose. So the big one's kind of cool that way. Um, I just kind of wish that it appeared in better decks.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, talking a little bit about ways that we can quote-unquote fix Brobnar when they do come back, Um, look, obviously I think that you're never going to get away from fight as part of their identity, so I think there's a very simple fix for them. I think that you have to really incentivize fighting and make fighting cool by having extra cool fight powers. I want to see steals off fights, I want to see captures off fights, I want to see those things go off without conditions, I don't want to have to have action cards to enable that, I don't want to already have an established board of Brobnar creatures to make that a thing, I want to see Brobnar creatures that can live through multiple fights to make that happen, that is what I want to see.
1: I I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I think that they need to bring back before fight with a vengeance, and I also think it would be kind of cool to have an after fight, where if they survive the fight, something cool also happens, so that it just really gets someone out there wanting to build a board.
0: I'd also like to see the return of some of the cool um, cards that you had in the Koda era that were based around Amber control. Like, I don't think there's any excuse for loot the bodies not to be reprinted. Um, it's a conditional yep. one but has like a you can get a tremendous amount of value out of it. It's not like OP in any way shape or form. Um I want to see Berserker Slam come back. Um 100%. I want to see yeah, all kinds of the ways that you you know, you reprint um Looter Goblin or not Looter Goblin. Who's the fellow who um when he oh, when he dies, your opponent loses two amber grenade snip.
2: it's like snip. a screech bomb. Grenade snip.
0: Yeah, bring him and, and screech bomb back. And Just Old lo- Boomy. Old Old Boomy Boomy. might
2: arguably be like the coolest card that was in this Brobnar, but it never lasted. It would have been nice if it had Elusive unlike like like Little Rapskull for some reason. But it's like Old Boomy is one of the coolest cards that existed and did such a neat thing that had a Brobnar quality, but also wasn't that Brobnar. And And being a goblin, it made it really interesting.
0: Yeah. So that's kind of my... my, Do you have anything else to add to that? I think that it's just a simple fix. Make creatures with cool fight abilities. Bring back some of that Amber control. Make it so that fighting is fun and cool with Brobnar again. And I think you've got yourself a hit.
1: I completely agree. I think that one thing I might add to that, just complete side note, is there is a severe lack of upgrades in Brobnar. And I know that that leads to more forcing combos to happen and making things contingent on being, on having an upgrade to be cool. But I do think that something that Star Alliance made the most of is having upgrades that go so well with certain creatures and add such good flavor, but also are are really versatile amongst multiple creatures because Brobnar is such a heavy creature house that having more upgrades just feels right.
0: Indeed.
2: Yeah, and plus you can get those cool weapons as upgrades, which I'd love to see.
0: Totally. All right, we can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called
2: Help, help from, future, from future, self. future Self.
0: Sydney, hit us with a Help from Future Self.
1: All right, all right. So, we had our uh, sealed this week in ABR and I had an absolutely fantastic game, and so I, I have advice for basically not, not a sealed game because usually in an in-person or sit-down sealed game, you don't get time to practice. But in a situation where you're, you're looking at a deck for the first time and, and only have a little bit of time to practice it, or even if you are practicing a sealed deck right before you play it because your, you, your friend came with you to an event, if you've practiced with a deck and have experienced a certain feel or theme, and then while you're playing it, in the, the real event or the, the real competition and something totally new pops up, don't feel obligated to use it or do it. So I um, I had a, a situation where because we um, picked our decks a couple days beforehand, I was able to practice it a little bit and I didn't have a, there were five artifacts in my deck and there wasn't a single um, practice game where all of those artifacts were out or where I had, um, there were one or two artifacts that didn't come out in any of my practice games. And I don't know why I'm totally blanking on the, um, the name of the artifact now, but it was a dis-artifact where if you reap, then uh, it, either side, if you reap, then you, you're stunned. So I ended up not getting that out, that artifact out in any of my practice games. And it was in my opening hand in the real game. And it was, I went first and it was the first card I played. It absolutely killed me. And I hadn't practiced it. I hadn't thought it through. I just thought, because my opponent is going to get the first big board opportunity I definitely should cripple them with the ability to reap not being so beneficial because I I I didn't see their deck list I I didn't know what they had I really thought that like I was setting myself up for success and I didn't realize that so much of the powers on my creatures were from reaping that I I just completely crippled myself so if you're practicing with a deck and and in a situation where it matters something completely new pops up just discard it Disregard it. Go with the strategy you feel comfortable with.
2: Mm, good points.
1: You can find us on Twitter
0: at HFFS Podcast. You can find me at gruin on the Crucible and on Twitter. Sydney, where can they find you?
1: I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord.
0: And Blake, where can they find you? What do you got going on?
2: I'm Boulevard Blake, number signed 3840 on Discord, and you can find me on Boulevard Blake for my Twitter if you want to have a conversation. I'm uh, taking a break from the YouTube activities for the rest of the month. Still be streaming, though, and uh, I'm hoping by the time you're hearing this, I have got the details for the Keyforge holiday bundles that I'll have available through the provider that I've partnered with. And if so, you will find the details of what these holiday bundles are in the show notes of the episode. And if they're not there, well, I apologize.
0: All right. We'll be back at you again next week with another episode of Help From Future Self. Until then, stay forward.